As you take your seats, I invite you to turn in your copies of God's holy and inspired word with me back to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. This morning we come to the end of chapter 4 and we'll even cross into chapter 5 as I'm going to read uh, from uh, 4.25 down to uh, 5.2. We have not uh, been in Ephesians for the last couple of weeks, but we return, and man, do we return, because Paul goes from preaching to meddling, which means I have to, so get ready. 425 through 52, we're going to focus on 428 as well as 4.32 and 5.1 through 2 this morning. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us And gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Father, your character, as it is reflected in your law, is sometimes the things that we like, especially when it benefits us. But even there, Lord, sometimes what we forget is that all that we do get from you is not meant for us to store up, but it is meant for us to enjoy and to pass along. And so open up our hearts this morning, Lord, to be confronted with the eternal generosity of our triune God and your extravagant grace, so that not only will we experience and enjoy to the depths of our souls who you are for us, but that we would truly become conduits of these things for those around us. And so arrest us, not simply with your truth, 
but especially this morning with your goodness. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We are in this section of Ephesians where Paul spent three chapters going over with us the the heights and the depths and the breadth of this extravagant grace of God for us that that we are called to, to delight in as God's people, but we are also called to put that on display. And we are to do that with uh, the way that we interact with ourselves with God. We are to do that with the way that we interact with one another in this church as those who have a shared life in Christ. But we are also to do that with those outside of the walls of this place as we are called very, very specifically here to be imitators of God. This union with Christ that we have gone over, this is why I have gone over it so much, and I will continue to go over this. Because everything that God asks of us is something he's already given us in Christ. And the more that you cultivate that identity you have in Christ, the more you tap in to all that you have received that you can put that more and more into practice in your life. You are called to be an imitator of the God who dwells within your hearts through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is very clear with us what he expects of those who have tasted of his love. And that is to love God and to love others. And it is to love in such a way that reflects his love. It is a sacrificing love. It is at times a suffering love. And at other times it is a rejoicing love. But it is a love at its very heart that is for others and not for the self. You see, as Jesus was interacting with uh, those in, in, in Jerusalem and in the, the, the outer areas of, of the land of Palestine in his earthly ministry, he was dealing with a society that was very uh, bifurcated or very, very uh, spread apart financially. There were some Uh, most often a very few who had lots of money. They had lots of power. And they used that to get more money and to get more power. And then there were the overwhelming majority who did not have money and did not have power. This was not true of the Greco-Roman world. This was even true for the people of God in Israel. And Jesus confronted this over and over and over and over. Quite often, those within Israel that had the money and the power would often use the word of God um, as a tool or an instrument in order to justify what they were doing and in order to get more from other people. 
And, and we know that this is one of the main reasons that the people of God fell into idolatry in the Old Testament, which led to their being exiled to Babylon. That the, those who had power and money were using that to scheme and to steal the inheritance of those around them. Because what inheritance did an, a, a normal Israelite had? Well, he had what had been passed down to him through the generations going back to the gift that God gave his tribe. Here is your portion of the land. People were scheming to take uh, what people had. What they were scheming to take is what God had gifted them. Now, there is no doubt that sin played a role in those who were losing their, their things. There is no doubt that unwise decisions were made. There is no doubt that there was waste. There is no doubt uh, that, that there was covetousness on their side that led them to either be lazy or to be irresponsible. There is no doubt. But what is interesting is that in the Old Testament, as it is brought to light in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the calling of God's people was to be generous and not just to the people who had earned generosity through responsible stewardship. And that there was always a provision for those who had less, regardless of the reason why they had less. Because the point was that those who had received from the Lord were to imitate his generosity so that they were not just taking what they have and, and piling it into storehouses, Jesus says. Instead, taking what they had received and using it for God's purposes in their own life and then using it for God's purposes in the lives around them. They were to be conduits. Well, you didn't have to just be an Israelite to struggle with greed and covetousness because the Greco-Roman world was marked by that even more. It was at least, though, consistent with their worldview. See, it was very inconsistent for the people of God to live with such overt greed and covetousness. But it at least made sense philosophically for the, the Greco-Roman world, even though it was still absolutely contrary to the truth of God built into his creation. As God has shared his generosity, not only with those who receive new life in Jesus Christ, he also shares his generosity with everyone, regardless of if they bow the knee to him or not. Right? The blessings of God fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so there is this generosity of God. There is this expression of the goodness of God that is a tangible, physical expression. And the people of God are called to not just receive these things, but to become conduits of these things so that we have the right priorities with the way 
that we are expressing our identities in Jesus Christ. In general, Paul has been telling us, put off the old, put on the new. Right? He has told us to do this with regards to obedience in general. He has called us to do this with regards to our desires, our words, our emotions, and even now our resources. That there is not one aspect of your existence that has not been made new in Christ. So you are called to express your newness with the way that you pursue stuff in this world. Notice that he gives three basic commands here in verse 28 with with regards to how to put off the old man and to put on new as those in Jesus Christ when it comes to money. Notice he says, that, that um, you are not to live for the self, but you live for others. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, perform his hands what is good. And why? That he may be able to give to those do you want to understand what Christ expects of us to stewardship of his money? This is it. He told us in the Gospels, we read from a it's very clear about that. But Paul here is building on that teaching of Jesus Christ that we are called not to be thieves, but we are called to be workers, but The work that we do is not for the purpose of getting, it is for the purpose of giving. You see, stealing is an unrighteous way of appeasing one's greed and covetousness. I want, but I don't want to put effort into it. I don't want to work for it. I just want it, so I'm just going to take it. That's what being a thief is. It is satisfying this desire that you have for something that you don't have. And so you're going to get it by just taking it. Now, someone might say, well, what about the people who get caught stealing food because they don't have any money because the economy and because of all these things. It's still stealing. And yet, what Paul says here applies to this. Because so often in so many sermons, I I listened to a couple this week and I heard it again, where the theft and the stealing was always directed towards you with regards to not not the outward thievery that the sinners are known for, right? But how do Christians steal? And and there were these discussions about, well, you steal from your employer. And, you know, when you don't work 100%, 100% of the time, or you steal from the government when you you fudge on your taxes or all these different things. 
then all of that is certainly true. But what about the ways that employers steal from employees? What about the ways that government abuses its authority and power and steals from its people? You see, it's not always so nice and simple and easy to talk about these things in a black and white, clear-cut fashion. Because the bottom line is everybody steals from everybody because that is part of being the old man. And there are going to be people who experience the stuff that comes from those in power and as a result, they don't have the opportunities, they don't have the things that they need. Now sometimes that is sin and sometimes it is from bad stewardship sometimes it's bad decision making but sometimes it's because they've been forced into a situation that is outside of their control and what Jesus tells us is that when it comes to this kind of situation we are to be kind and tender hearted and merciful and a people who approach these things the way he does, and that's as one who is generous. Generous, he mentioned, right? Generous even to the ungrateful, generous even to the evil. Let the thief no longer steal, no longer gratifying the desire that, uh, of fulfilling that sin desire of greed and covetousness by just taking. But then notice it says, rather let him work. And let him work by putting his hands towards what is good. So now what you have is another opportunity for how to fulfill the, the desires of greed and covetousness. And that is to fulfill them not by taking stuff, but earning it. By working. And taking what you, the, the fruit of your label and piling that up for yourself so that you can buy it for yourself. So that you can build up this thing and have all this stuff. And, and you can say, but I, I got this honestly. I got this through working. I, I didn't get this by stealing. I didn't take this from anybody. I put my hand to the plow. And, and I've been going about the things that, that God tells me to go about. And so I have this stuff because I earned it. And beloved, that is also the old man talking. That is not generosity. That is just a legal way to fulfill greed and covetousness. So lastly, he says, the reason we work is not so that we can attain we work so that we are in a position to help those who are in need. Here's a radical concept that what, as Jesus taught and as Paul is, is taking up the teaching of Jesus Christ, that we live for the community around us. 
that we don't live in a community in order to use that, that community in order to get something for ourselves in order to pile up these big piles of power and money and all this. We live within a community in order to live and to serve the community around us. And, and there is, uh, what, what Paul would say here is part of that serving that community is you need to work. You need to put your hand to the plow. You need to be about doing the things that are good. Paul says you are to work. You're not to just steal. You're not to just try to, to trick people out of things. You are to work. But you work not to pile up something for yourself. You work in order to be a blessing to those around you. Because every one of us have been or will be in need at some point. One of the things that I feel is so dangerous about the way conservative, conservative politics operates within this country, and by the way, the way liberal politics function as well, is through this black and white either or thinking. When the gospel is telling us that things are way more complex. Sometimes you're going to be in need even though you worked really hard. Because sometimes you work really hard and then you get the diagnosis of cancer. Not because you did anything to earn cancer. You may not have smoked. You may not have drank. You may not have done anything. You may have not even had a Diet Coke, which apparently is one of the most dangerous things in our culture right now. But you can still get cancer. You know why? Because you live in a fallen body in a fallen world, and God's curse against sin is still active. You can work hard all your life, be responsible all your life, make all the right decisions and still wind up losing all of it because of a diagnosis. It is not as simple to say that what we want to promote within our community is just get people working so that they don't have needs. You will never be able to work yourself out of having needs. And what the Bible is telling you, beloved, is that you exist for the purpose of putting God's generosity of grace on display. Because everything you have, you have received by his grace, and you have received it in order to share it. Jesus could have maintained the glory that he was due by staying in the heavenly places and receiving the worship of the angels. And he would have been righteous and holy and true and good to do that. But he voluntarily set that aside in order to come and to give. Even to the point of giving his life on the cross. 
And beloved, I don't care how responsible you are with money. You have not been responsible enough to have Jesus die for you because of your good decision making. You were evil. You were his enemy. And yet Christ loved you and gave himself for you and now tells you, don't be a thief who steals, but also don't be a good American who works really hard in order to store up something for yourself. Be a Christian. Be a little Christ in this world and work hard as you put my grace on display in the way that you work but also put my grace on display in the way that you share. Live as one who is part of a community in which you are serving in order to help everyone around you improve in their situation. Not only those who earn it, not only those who meet up uh, to an earthly standard of, of who should be worthy of your generosity, Jesus tells us clearly, we are generous with all. Because we are called to be imitators of our God who loves this way. So we are to put off the old and put on the new with our resources, but our resources are not only money, Paul tells us here. Because he tells us that our resources also include love. Apart from Christ, you had no love. And in Christ, you have received the eternal love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, as you cultivate generosity with your money, it also helps you as you cultivate generosity in loving one another, especially in forgiving other people. One of the most difficult things to do is not ask for forgiveness because you've wronged somebody. One of the most difficult things to do is to become vulnerable enough to give that forgiveness. To love that person not because they were worthy of your love. To love that person not because they earned it. To love that person not because they're trustworthy with your love. But to love them as Christ loves. And to be vulnerable with your love because you know that whatever love you give away to this other person, there is more love from Christ coming to you, coming to you, coming to you, coming to you. You cannot give away Christ's love fast enough to get ahead of the love that Christ is filling you with. But we think that. Oh, I, I forgave him last week. I forgave her last month. I just, I don't have it in me. Yes, you do. Because you have an endless supply of the never-ending love of God in Jesus Christ through the Spirit that is in your heart. You have to put off the old and put on the new. And the new says, I constantly have a source of love surging through me that I can share with others. And not because they've earned it and not because they deserve it. But because I didn't earn it, 
I didn't deserve it, but Christ is sharing it with me. And he does this so that I become a conduit of this love to those around me. Jesus was asked, who is my neighbor? Who is the one I have to love? And who was it? It was someone that they considered a dirty, mangy, horrible, low life. Someone that that didn't agree with their politics. Someone who didn't agree with, with their standards. Someone who didn't agree with what they thought was important. Someone that they considered a dog. A half breed. And he says, that is your neighbor. Love as you have been loved. And so, beloved, this is what we, when we talk about putting off the old and putting on the new, there, we are talking about this from every aspect and dimension of our lives because the ultimate calling is that we are, are not trying to buckle down and white-knuckle our way uh, into a changed life, but instead receiving the changed life in Jesus Christ and just opening ourselves up to allowing that to touch more and more and more of us, going deeper into our thoughts, deeper into our emotions, deeper into our willingness to live vulnerably in community with one another. Working in order to give. How utterly revolutionary. It takes the whole of your life, including your job in this world, including your relationships in this world, and it turns your life into a work of grace. Not just a work of grace where you're receiving grace, a work of grace where Jesus is sharing it with others through you. Paul wants you to think of your job. He wants you to think of your life as a means to display God's extravagant grace. No more stealing in the service of illegal greed and no more working in the service of legal greed. But now everything is in the service of delighting in grace and putting that grace on display in your love and in your generosity as one who has entered into the rhythms of God's generosity in Jesus Christ. Beloved, put off the old and put on the new. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we need help in these areas because so much of, of that fallen part of us that is, that is still there and so much of the context in which we live and in terms of the culture, in terms of our politics, in terms of our discussions on money, whatever, Lord, we are surrounded from, from every angle, we are surrounded by the opposite of the teaching of Jesus Christ. 
We have some saying that, that you don't have to work and you should still get everything that everyone else has regardless of if you work. And we have others that say, if you don't work to the level that we think, then you shouldn't get anything. And whatever problems you have, they're all your fault and you are left to yourself to deal with them, Lord. And this is not your way. But Lord, this seeps into us from every angle. And so protect us. And help us, help us to feast on your generosity. Help us to feast on your goodness. So that as we delight in it more and more, we would help others to delight in it as well. Lord, help us be a people who are loving and kind and tenderhearted and forgiving and generous especially to our enemy, especially to the wicked, especially to those who are ungrateful. Because it is only the power of the Holy Spirit that will lead us to reflect you in this way. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.